Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. This is a back-of-the-store chat edition, and joining me today in the back-of-the-store is Joe. Hey, folks, how you doing? And also joining us, who he's usually reserved for a big, thematic, highly-focused topic episodes, but today we were nice enough just to have him walk in the back door and join us today. Professor Jack Adrian is with us. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I just got off the LIRR, and I, I figured, hey, why not drop in? Yes, that, that used to be your routine, right, Jack? You used to have the train and come to the store. Actually, it's patented, okay? I think they now call it the Jack. So, yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, just to kind of call back to maybe audience members who have not listened to your origin episode, is that that's how you kind of found the store, right? Or no? Is that... Uh, slightly different. So uh, I was actually working in the industrial park, uh, and then a, a friend recommended the store to me. Um, and then after that, then I was working in the city and then that's how I'd again, come back from the back door. Uh, and which uh, I'd like to think kind of is the, uh, origin story of the back of the store episodes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Jack was doing the back of the store episodes before we're doing back of the store. episodes. episodes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time you were doing that though, you were fully ingratiated in this. That was past your whole, like, I'm not going to get connected to anybody in the store. As you've recollected, this is when you were like fully part of the mint condition posse at that time. Absolutely. Uh, my fears of waking up in a bathtub full of ice, uh, missing a kidney had long since passed. Um, <laughs> and and I, I felt I have found my people. My people. <laughs> wandering, wandering in the uh, in the desert of Port Washington. <laughs> if not there, where? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I have a few topics I, I want to talk about, and especially since you have, we're with you today, Jack. Um, as you know from an audience, as if hopefully you've kept up to date, we've done, since the start of the back of the store chat a few months ago, a topic that we have talked about a lot is... We talked about the, the two Flash movie trailers. We did a whole episode of 1989 Batman. Um, Joe and I have not seen The Flash, but Jack, mm-hmm. you have. Uh, so I figured maybe... I mean, Joe, do you want him to go spoilers or no spoilers? I oh, figured I, Jack I figured Jack, Jack could give us a little review of his of The Flash. Go, go full ahead, steam ahead, Jack, because I already know what happens in the film, uh, practically scene by scene, without having seen it yet. So. Okay, so audience, if you are planning on seeing The Flash and or you... Or waiting and you don't want spoilers maybe skip ahead or something but jack why don't you uh give us your review as only jack can give us a review thank you james now i, I i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it i'm not gonna do full-on spoilers because um you know i do i, I you know i appreciate the sanctity of the back of the store um and <laughs> and, and and so uh in keeping up with tradition you know nothing will be ruined uh, i will say um you know and this is one of those things and and i'm glad this is kind of where we wanted to open there's a a kind of an idea that i've been kind of thinking about and i think the flash is directly related to it um you know, as everyone seems from the trailer, the, the Flash uh, is, again, kind of based uh, loosely or very, depending on your perspective, loosely or strongly on uh, the Flashpoint storyline, for those of you who are familiar with that. Um, but it has this particular twist where it uh, actually has the uh, Michael Keaton Batman from Batman 99, uh, directed by Tim Burton, and he plays a major role uh, in the story. Um, and... Uh, 
from what I've understand in reading a lot of the kind of reaction shows and breakdowns, um, it, that's not necessarily where um, the DCEU had wanted to go. Uh, they had really wanted, uh, I think, a different kind of storyline. But when uh, the Batgirl movie was shelved, um, I, I think they really wanted to uh, keep Michael Keaton's character um, as part of the, the universe or at least uh, somewhere in the MCU, uh, excuse me, DCEU. Um, and so I think they did a, a lot of last minute fixes. Um, but I mean, to your point, so, and I think this is really kind of relevant, one of the things that I was thinking about. And so uh, with the exception of Across the Spider-Verse, you know, I, my youngest and I, we try to go to the movies every weekend uh, as much as we can uh, when the movies come out. And so we have seen uh, most of the major blockbusters. And so um, we haven't seen The Little Mermaid, um, but we have seen uh, Fast X. Uh, we've seen that. Uh, we've seen uh, The Flash. Uh, we haven't seen Elemental. We were going to see it. Uh, but in lieu of Elemental, we saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, and, and the reason why I think this really ties in with The Flash is because we've seen all of these movies uh, and no spoilers for any of them, but none of them really made us feel great. You know, uh, I think uh, we walked out and we were just kind of like, eh, okay, that happened. I think the flash, what you may hear about it. And perhaps one of the reasons why it's not necessarily doing as well uh, with many of these uh, summer blockbusters is uh, they're just not particularly great stories. Um, mm-hmm. And to tie onto that, um, you know, we also do movie night at home every weekend. Uh, and so this weekend I said, hey, why don't we watch E.T., the extraterrestrial? Uh-huh. Um, and Grayson had, you know, he, everyone kind of knows about it. But unless you were of that generation, you really have no idea. And, you know, again, the, the story pacing is really much slower than the movies are now. But the emotions and the theme were so powerful. By the time he got to the end, he loved it. I mean, that is uh, that's Spielberg at the at like one of the heights of his powers. Oh, like, ex- yeah. exactly, exactly. I mean, subtle little things that he does is just so amazing. And and so I, I I think tying back to the Flash is there are very few great movies anymore. Um, and 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 so I think for me that's that's the thing that I worry about. You know, everyone says that streaming is essentially cutting into the movie industry. But, you know, I am worried that studios are really just kind of missing the mark. And I think, honestly, uh, if it's not, um, is you know, a, a Nolan movie where he can basically go out and do his own thing. Or, you know, uh, I know that um, even with Avatar, uh, Cameron also has that, you know, cachet and that ability. They can actually make good movies uh, that are blockbusters. But studios just seem to be struggling. And, and so I, I wanted to talk to you guys and try to get a sense of what you thought about that. I mean, the one movie we saw this year that was actually not bad, but again, it's based on an existing property, was Mario Brothers. And I, I have gone through this summer, and I hear Across the Spider-Verse is great. Would have seen it for political reasons. It's not available in the country in which I currently live. Um, but I wanted to get your sense of what happened. Well, let me ask you just just before because I know you saw Guardians. That was Guardians above Guardians. All of us? Yes, we did see Guardians as well. Guardians, I think, also that's probably probably one of the best movies we've seen. And the only reason why I did not include Guardians as kind of like the best is because it's the the last in the trilogy. And so mm-hmm. um, inevitably, what you do is you compare it to the other two. Um, and and so it's a great movie. I think it stands on its own. Uh, the the key thing. And so the the, the the key was even when we went to see Indiana Jones. Uh, I, I, Grayson had said, oh, I've only seen the first one. I haven't seen, you know, the others. And I said, well, 
two was a prequel, so you're not missing anything there. Uh, three was the movie they should have ended on. Four, nobody talks about. And I said, uh, the whole idea is that it, they're meant to be these movies where, you know, archaeologist goes on adventures, let's go along for the ride. And that should be all of the things that you need to know about the character and the story and the plot. But yeah, Guardians, you can't walk into Guardians without knowing, and particularly, and this is another thing, and I'm glad you, Pandora's box, you opened the door. Um, Guardians, mm-hmm. if you did not actually see Endgame uh, or you know Infinity War, or if you didn't even see the Christmas special, you walk into that movie thinking, I saw the second one, there's a whole realm of information that you don't have. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's like a Mandalorian season three if you didn't watch Book of Bubba Fett. But uh, that's a that's another oh, same yeah, company. I, didn't know that I, I haven't watched Mandalorian season three, but I did watch Book of Bubba Fett. But I didn't know that was the case. Oh yeah, cool. because they they do not in the in Mandalorian season three. If you had not seen those two episodes of Book of Bubba Fett with the Mandalorian, you mm-hmm. are you better go back and watch them. They don't they don't, <laughs> they, they they do not care about that at all for their audience. They're like our they're either like our audience is so dialed in they're either watching this or if it's new new person okay too bad we're going. We're still going. So. And on the gas, okay. So, so, yeah. so, so Jack, I mean, these these big budget movies are not doing well, right? And and I think you hit upon the stories; they don't resonate. So you know, I like I liken things to sports. I can't help myself. To, no, you know, please, please. You know, we have the Flash, and we have we have Dial of Destiny. I think combined with production and marketing, we're probably talking combined seven to eight hundred million dollars for those two movies, right? That's correct. So, and then here in New York, we have something similar. We have the New York Mets and the New York Yankees combined payroll uh, pr- approaching seven hundred million dollars. The Mets, even though even though on the winning streak, they're still an entire space sector away from first place in their division. <laughs> and the Yankees are just playing basically a little bit above five hundred ball. Uh, what's happened is I think corporations, whether they be, you know, sports or movies, they just keep throwing money at things, money, throw more money at it, throw more money at it. That'll fix the problem. It doesn't work in government and it doesn't work in movies and baseball and sports. You, you need, you need people with ideas. You need people who can, who can connect with their audience. And I think that's what's happening. When I go to see these big budget films, and I think we touched upon this, James, in a previous uh, Backdoor episode, I really get taken out of the film by all the CGI. I, you know, the film to this day that took me completely out of it was Justice League. The entire film was was filmed in front of a green screen. There was I don't think there was a set in the entire film. Uh, build something, make something. You know, give me a visceral feeling of what's going on here. Convey it to the audience. It's not there anymore. And I think this is what I think they got to step back. Hollywood's got to stop making these three hundred million dollar blockbusters. Joe, I, I I completely agree with you because you know I I think back to um, the last two movies that I actually saw uh, that actually made me feel something. You walk away and you're thinking about it, and so the two that come to mind were uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Um, and again, you know, say what you want about you know Tom Cruise, he believes in the practical effects. He mm-hmm. will throw his body into it. He <laughs> runs in every movie. Yeah, literally. I mean, you know, he's hanging off the outside of a plane, ladies and gentlemen. That's real. Um, and 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 so that movie was a huge summer blockbuster yes. um, because it it was actually something visceral where the audience could connect. Mm-hmm. Obviously. We are, you know, not, um, um, you know, going to the, the Naval Academy. We're not pilots. And, 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 and so 
the understanding of, of what that experience is, is completely different, but we can all relate um, to uh, essentially being uh, considered um, necessarily not past our prime for something that we were considered really good at, reconnecting with old friends, reconnecting with old lovers. Um, these are all very basic stories. Mm -hmm. um, and and then, uh, you know, the fractured relationship that he had uh, with, with, you know, Goose's son. I mean, all of these things, which is, as far as storytelling, very basic. And as far as, like you said, the visual aspect of it all, you felt like you were in that plane with him. Yes. I mean, they actually took the time. And so I am happy that they chose not to stream that one. I'm happy uh, that I saw it in the movie theater. We, again, watched it for one of the movie nights. Um, and again, it has just a visceral impact. And uh, going back to everything, everywhere, all at once, it was just this off-kilter story. Um, but it's one of those stories you know, and particularly now with so many studios are, are doing these these multiverse kinds of uh, storytelling. And, and to some extent, we kind of saw that with The Flash as well. But it actually forces you to connect with the characters. You mm. put characters first. And the whole kind of uh, visual effects came after. They understood what the theme of the movie was, and they stuck to that. Whereas going back to The Flash... The theme is there, but it's so buried under everything else because, you know, uh, and I'm always reminded of, of, you know, Adam Driver from, from uh, you know, Star Wars. More! More! <laughs> okay, I mean, and, it, and I, I think Jerry said it. How about we calm down, go back to basics, figure out what it is we want to do, and maybe find a way to do this without money. Yeah, well, I, I think, like, um, well, just to go to your point, Jack, just to kind of, since we're going to start analyzing this, this Pandora's box we started this episode with. <laughs> well, we, about, we opened uh, it. <laughs> we did open it. But like, so Top Gun, Maverick, everything, everywhere, all at once. Would you throw Spider-Man No Way Home in there too? Of movies that have been successful and actually made you feel something. I, I, I do. But, and so there, there's two things that I'll say about Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. So um, the first thing is very similar if you walk in cold, so let's assume you were only reared on the MCU and you really didn't have a sense of the, uh, you know, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man or the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. You, you, you can't necessarily figure out why Spider-Man looks different in, from all of these other realities or, or who these other guys are or even what's the significance of their story. Even assuming that you have seen them because you are a fan of, of superhero movies, Felt the movie was very good. And I think what holds it together, and I think this is what really kind of grounded that movie, is it never lost sight of who Spider-Man the character is. Peter Parker, uh, and particularly A, that's the movie in which, uh, you know, Aunt May, in lieu of Uncle Ben, uh, teaches him that most valuable of lessons. Mm -hmm. And B, Peter, at the end, makes that sacrifice. There was, the, the, and this is, again, part of, and I think, Joe, you kind of touched on this as well. And this is what happens when you, in my opinion, uh, when you make all of these movies with the CGI, uh, the stakes just become so unreal. You, you are completely disconnected uh, with what happens. And so Aunt May dies. Uh, Peter, you know, uh, essentially is, is, you know, getting hurt and bruised. Um, and then he has to make a sacrifice uh, in order to bring everything back together, which is always at the heart of who Spider-Man is as a character. So it essentially makes up for all of those other things that, you know, uh, you may miss if you were not necessarily familiar with the other two franchises. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, if Chris, Chris were here, Chris does not like the fact that Spider-Man ends up alone at the end of that movie. He thinks it doesn't have to be that way. Just shouting you out, Chris, because I know if you were here, you would bring that out. <laughs> you would bring that up, yes, you would. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you and Joe have said about these block. Well, what I've said this a couple times, either on or off the air, that I feel like the problem was or is is that Hollywood has turned this into a factory. Like we we have set a date for when these movies are coming out, and whatever script we have when a shooting date, we're going with instead mm. of instead of doing when they were building the MCU since it's the most successful I think franchise right now, like when you were, when they were first building it, they took their time. Like we only had like two MCU movies a year before it was even the MCU. I mean, before we like, we had Iron Man, then we had what Hulk. That was one year. Mm -hmm. Then the next year was what Iron Man two and Thor. Mm -hmm. And then the next year was Captain America and Avengers, which they had like a whole, that's a lot of time to do pre post shoot the movie, make sure the story is good. And then, and then I guess they during the time we're getting the ball rolling, so they started rolling more things out for phase two and three, but they they took their time. And now now movies are coming out and shows are coming out too quickly. And no one is like I think you know, it takes time to write good stuff. I mean it just does. And these and I, I know in comic books, as you know, in an upcoming episode we have where Joe interviews his good friend Keith Williams. Um I know Keith Williams made a point that when you are on a deadline for periodicals, you can't necessarily take your time. But movies are different than periodicals. You should like take your time to have something that's worth shooting and and going through all this before you go go to you know from script to screen. I mean, I think I think that's my personal thing about it. Um, I also feel like and Jack and Jack, I'd be curious your your thoughts on this since like let's take Indiana Jones for a minute because I, I again no spoilers for the audience. We haven't seen it. Jack has seen it, but I've listened to a lot of interviews about people's issues with it. But I'll just say this. The, I know it's not what everyone wanted. And considering Indiana Jones is a property that many young people may or may not connect with, wouldn't that have been something where they should have just done what the fans wanted? Like at this, like when you're trying to resurrect properties mm-hmm. and it's for a select audience, I know fan service is like a bad word sometimes, but when certain, certain of these things that they're trying to do, you should just do the fan service. Because when you don't, what, you're, you're, like, you're hurting your audience and you're hurting the built-in audience at the same time. Well, I, you know, I think fan service can be a bad, a bad word or a bad term, but I think you have to look at the film or the franchise. I think you're right, James. In, 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 uh, uh, in the Indiana Jones franchise, I think the fan service should have been adhered to. It, it should have been something they, they, they were going to. You know, first of all, do you really want to make a movie with an 80-year-old uh, actor? He's a great actor. We, we love him. He's, uh, he's one of the greatest uh, performers in, in the history of, the, of cinema. But I, I mean, I'm not even sure you should have even started this film to begin with. But you, all right, you started it. He's Indiana Jones. Let's let's give the fans what they want. But then there were movies like like I guess The Flash and and I want to say uh, what was it um, the Captain Marvel, which uh, Shazam, which didn't do well, where they do sometimes pay fan service forward and it doesn't work. So I, I think sometimes Hollywood is caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, you know, uh, what do we do? Do we do do we give them what they want, or do we try to go in a different direction? And I and I'm not sure they 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 exactly know what they want to do half the time. I think you, you if you're if you're looking at a film franchise, or, a, or in, in this case MCU studio MCU studios, I still think you have to break it down into little bits and little uh, you know and little bites here and there and say, right, well this 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 movie needs to fit into the overall movie universe, but this can stand alone. And then we can approach it differently. And I don't, I don't think they're, they're thinking that. I, I mean, for the, for the, well, sorry, Joe, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, that's okay. that's okay. I mean, Jack, I, I watched your thoughts also, but like, it seems like the flash for like, again, going for nostalgia and fan service. Like if you, 
like Michael Keaton Batman means a lot to us. I don't know how much he means to mm. the younger generation. And if also if you're if that is your selling point, which seems to be whether by hook or by crook, Michael Keaton as Batman is the selling point, then you should have just made Batman three. Yeah. <laughs> or Batman returns and returns again. Like whatever you want to call it. But <laughs> but, but Jack, I'm curious what are your what are your thoughts about this? No, I mean I, I completely agree with um what both of you have said. And I, I guess for me, and, and this is the question that I always ask, there's almost two different perspectives that I have when I see these movies come out, uh, whether it's the endless stream of sequels or whether, again, it is this uh, trying to reignite a, a, a known but maybe somewhat dated um, kind of franchise or property. Mm-hmm. And so from my perspective, I always think the first thing is, who is this movie for? Um, and big executives, you know, and I'm about to go into my big executive work. Rah, rah, we're going to make a movie. Rah, 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 yeah. And so when, when they are actually exactly the suits, yeah, rah, you know, and so uh, what we really want here is uh, I'm, I guarantee $60 million opening weekend. And uh, we definitely want to get the, uh, the the market share in China. So, um, you know, anything that they don't want, we, we take it out. But um, yeah. uh, we got to tap on that nostalgia bar. got to press it, got to press it. So. Who is this movie for? Um, because I don't necessarily know if there's a sense of uh, who the target audience is. It's almost kind of, it's almost like you have these executives who think they know what the audience wants, but absolutely have no idea. And yeah. the second thing, and this is the part, and I'm curious, and I want to ask both of you after I ask, you know, the second question, but what is this movie about uh, at the end of the day? When someone walks out, what are they going to think about? And so the question I want to ask for both of you is, what movie, either this year or last year, actually resonated with you uh, in a way that made you say, wow, you know what, that was time well spent? Um, because that essentially, for me, says this movie was about something concrete that I, as an audience member, can identify with. I have three that leap to mind. Top Gun Maverick. Absolutely. Uh, I, I came late to seeing uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and, uh, and Black Widow. Those three movies resonated with me. Mm. Those three films, yes. Yeah, I'll say I really enjoyed Top Gun Maverick also. Um, I'm trying to think what I've actually seen the last uh, <laughs> recently. I, everywhere, every, everything, everywhere, all at once, I really enjoyed as well. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And I'm going to have to think. I'm trying to think what I've what I've seen movie-wise that uh, that's really like resonated or blown me away. And, and, and that is my fear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the jokes that I, uh, you know, because again, with my job, I, I travel pretty frequently. And, and, and so um, one of the key things is you see a lot of movies on planes because you have like these long flights. And so you can basically rack up two or three movies. And if you're lucky, you remember one. Apparently, there's some scientific reason why you can never remember watching, you know, what movies you watched when you're on a plane. That's a whole other topic. But it seems as if every life. movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, which the irony of all irony is they will take out um, plane sequences like from the movie. And so so Finish um, and I are watching the show Hijack on, on Apple TV Plus, And we're actually saying they could never show this on a plane. It's just no, like, no. obviously. Okay. <laughs> could they show um, snakes on a plane on a plane? Uh, you know, I don't think they could show snakes on a plane on a plane, okay? <laughs> they, they would have to put it snakes on the train where, you know, Samuel Jackson, the they just make it look, they'll just have the stock footage of a train moving by. <laughs> snakes on the Crosstown bus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, 
All right, no. Jack, and I also say that you're uh, your a corporate executive guy. I like how he's modeled after uh, the uh, the gangster person in in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. Well, and, I, I mean, yeah. Let's, yeah. Just, yeah. Let, let's just be honest. I mean, it's it's the same guy. Okay, <laughs> he's he's just gone straight. There's the frog in Courageous Cat. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just digging oh, myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love the frog. <laughs> right? Yeah, Courageous Cat. I'll get you now. Courageous Cat, Minute Mouse. No, but you're you're, you're so right, Jack. It, it's I mean, I, those three movies did leap to mind, but. You know, there are so many currently that I've seen, mostly on streaming. That and I, uh, I mean, Black Black uh, Adam was, uh, that was bad. Uh, and um, <laughs> what else did I like? Um, I recently, oh, I mean, I just recently. I mean, some of the. I mean, these aren't movies. I mean, I mean, I liked uh, watching recently. What was it? The Battle of the Super Sons, the animated movie by uh, okay. our, our friend. That was the very show, good by our friend Jeremy Adams. Jeremy Adams. And I just recently watched the Doom that came to Gotham, the animated movie oh, that I just came out. It. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, based on the Mike Magnolia. 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 Mm-hmm. Am I saying yeah, it right? Magnolia. Magnolia. Um, graphic novel. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's. It, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of movies that come out. Not all of them resonate so i i get it i mean it's 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 tough i mean i think they i personally think like you know i wouldn't necessarily i'm superhero fatigued like joe I am. <laughs> but i definitely feel like we could slow down the production of of some of this pop culture content i mean that might be controversial to say but maybe that's my pop culture confession for this episode but there you go I, I think we could slow the content down just a little bit because i'm actually just overwhelmed right now watching like Strange in your worlds and keeping up with like secret invasion. Uh, And, and I find myself going back to older things that I haven't watched that I wanted to watch and just, and finally getting back into it. So, um, so I think we, we could slow the train down a little bit. I agree. No, I mean, I agree with you or, and this is, I think a radical idea. Um, If you want to keep everything kind of in that quote unquote superhero genre idea, tell different stories um Mm -hmm. one of the things is uh uh, you know we had seen uh ant-man quantumania um and uh, it wasn't a bad movie there were things i wish they would have done um and you know one of the major frustrations that i had with the movie is you know ant-man has this place that he's kind of uh he's got his lane in the you know in the mcu is and you know i go to an ant-man movie i expect a heist I mean, that's just film, kind. Right? Yes, it, yeah. It's just kind of it, that. That's what he does, and there was no discernible heist in the movie, and 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 so, even taking into consideration what he does and what he does well, his his actual specialty. If you are an Ant Man fan, which I am, you know, I often tell, uh, our, you know, Grace and our youngest that you know, Ant Man is my favorite MCU character. He, I will explain to you why, and and. Um, for me, it's, it's, it, there, there are certain aspects of the character that, that I think are very appealing. And first and foremost, um, you know, he went to jail for doing the right thing. That is just something mm-hmm. you very you very rarely kind of see. Uh, but they don't they don't hide from that. It's not as if it's one of those things that happened and, and it's some kind of secret. No, uh, he is an ex-con, and that's something he carries with him. And and so I think that uh, the whole notion of second chances and redemption I think are very important. Uh, second is uh, that he operates as a hero based on technology he didn't create, but he has his own intelligence 
of how to do things that's very helpful and beneficial. So he essentially has two strengths upon which he plays and he can actually serve as a hero is his own understanding of, of kind of electrical engineering and his ability to very rapidly kind of look at a situation and come up with a solution excellent skills and he uh essentially inherited uh the pim particles and and you know the the technology from you know hank pim and the last thing his his major focus is being a father that that is again all very laudable aspects to the character that i think are great by the time they got to that third movie those things just became muddled um and it just became another just another just piece another cog in this machine to crank out the next thing yeah, and that's that's it because uh, you know how James alluded to before how the how the MCU started when it wasn't even called the MCU it was so organic and it worked so perfectly, and now it just seems to me like it's scattershot. You know, like they just uh, just throw it against the wall, whatever sticks sticks, and whatever doesn't doesn't. And uh, yeah, I find myself, you know, um, I say this so many times, as I I know I repeat myself a lot, but you know, um, you talk about great films, well. Um, uh, last year, I watched um, one of the greatest, two of the greatest films of all time, in my estimation, both by the, the master, Alfred Hitchcock, Rear Window and Rebecca. And I, I defy anybody to say that any current CBM comic book movie is a better film than those two films. Um, I, I was blown away by, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen Rear Window in, in 20 years, and it just blew me away how, how the craftsmanship in that film and uh, you know, before the before CGI was ever invented, <laughs> it's a stage, basically a stage play on, on, on the wide screen, and it's just marvelous. And I no. think we need to get back to basics in that sense. I agree. I saw Rear Window actually recently, and I'm pretty sure I saw it on a plane. And wow. I, because I had wanted to watch it, and I watched it from beginning to end, and. Even even the, the, the secondary characters who he's watching and, and just peering into their own lives visually have these full, rich existence. It's essentially, it, he did, you know, and I think this term is overused now, he was able to, in the course of just observing these people's lives, do so much world building that is uh-huh. so overlooked now. Yes. That's yeah. a great way of putting it, Jack. I never thought of it that way. But that's, yeah, well, that, that's why the man was a genius, genius filmmaker. Yeah, I mean Hitchcock is like well Hitchcock also really knew and honed in on what he how he directed what was written on the page and yeah I mean he's like he's sort of his he's like a Spielberg you know he's just, he knows mm-hmm. how to create his own stuff he's like Cameron he's a little bit I guess like James Gunn I mean James yep. Gunn is like more like them actually but um, yeah I was just also going to the fact that uh, you know again hearing many podcasts talk about these movies especially Indiana Jones it seems like also like why does everything have to cost so much money that you need CG? Like, it seems like most people agree, and Jack, maybe you uh, you agree or don't agree, but this Indiana Jones movie should have been a movie more practical and made for like $100 million instead of $300 yeah. million. Yeah. Like, like, could you make it more low low tech? And uh, and same thing like with the Batman, what people's thoughts are. I think a lot of people also said, like, couldn't you make a Batman movie that's $100 million and get a lot more out of it and have it be a lot more real and have more story in it than spending 300 plus million dollars on these movies no um i i I completely agree i I, let's we'll touch on indiana jones and i'd like to go back to the flash without with no spoilers so with indiana jones i i think the bar was well we have to we have to almost make up for the crystal skull 
uh, and, and, and so I think in many ways, uh, the whole notion was, well, it's just got to be better than that. And I think that's fine uh, as an idea. Um, but I mean, I think to your point, James, uh, with respect to the overall budget, um, at some point there was a script, uh, maybe there were several iterations and people just kind of lost their way. The movie on some level is almost kind of uh, disjointed when you're watching it. It's, you, you, you kind of get a sense that there are several different kinds of movies competing for, for your attention. And so that made it problematic. But uh, when, and the thing that I found frustrating is, you know, James Mangold, who is the director who I think also co-wrote it, is the one who did um, Logan, which I, I mm-hmm. think, bar none, and we've talked about this before, the best superhero movie ever made. And, and the reason why is it taps into the sensibilities of the Western. Um, mm. And they maybe had an opportunity to do something similar with uh, Dial of Destiny. And somewhere along the line, the plot got away from them. And they just lost it. Um, and, and so it becomes this whole other thing. Well, then now you've just got to pay that off before you can get to the end. By um, the way, Logan, Logan's budget was, is estimated between either 97 or $127 million. It, this is exactly my point. Just, you know, the only word, every time I think of that movie, the, the word that always comes to mind is, you know, the pathos of, of, <laughs> of that, that movie is just, just so perceptible. I mean, you, you feel the weight of the burden he carries. Uh, it, it truly, truly is an extraordinary movie. Uh, I, I'm somewhat afraid of Deadpool 3, what they'll do to the legacy, but neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but, you know, and again, on, on one level, too, The Flash had certain aspects, certain storytelling uh, threads that I thought was very interesting. I mean, again, with no spoilers, the most fascinating thing that I found that they did successfully well uh, is through the course of the movie, you have one character who serves as his own mentor, it's something that you typically don't see, but you know the nature of the movie with using time travel allows you to do that in a way that is you know very interesting. And and so I, I found uh, that those smaller moments in the movies uh, movie were very well done. Um, and even the relationship with his mother. And again, that was one of those aspects. And you know I feel bad because the Barry Allen character in the DCEU has just really kind of been thrown around um obviously there was a justice league there was a snyder cut uh, which again we recently just watched for movie night got to do it over two nights can't do it in one um (laughs) so um, exactly (laughs) so several matinees over several days um (laughs) and but they had the situation where obviously the the backstory isn't as well known as Spider-Man, isn't as well known as Bruce Wayne, Batman. And so uh, they had to kind of, they touched on it in, in um, obviously Justice League um, and it, it's kind of understood, but uh, you really want to drive that emotional impact there um, in the course of the movie, because it's his movie, uh, in, in trying to demonstrate why he would choose to do what he did. But unfortunately, it doesn't all hold together. The moments he has with his mother, those are very powerful. There are certain aspects of it. But all of that just gets completely muddled with, and like you said, Joe, CGI, yeah. Uncanny Valley, <laughs> so many different things going on that it's just like, what does this have to do? How is this moving the character or the story forward? Not one iota. This is a movie like the 
like they should have i don't know why they will i know who knows who make decisions makes decisions yeah those people make decisions yeah but it seems like a movie that in retrospect as much as i love to see michael keaton as batman they should have benefited from maybe using grant gustin in the, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the movie because then you have that fan base and right. who have been with that that version of Barry Allen for so long that, that version of Barry Allen should have mentored um, Ezra Miller's version of Barry like you should have done a movie like that because mm-hmm. they took a whole season to have the they took a whole season of the Flash before they did Flashpoint and by the time you got Flashpoint you understood why Barry went back in time to do what he did exactly. um, which a movie like a movie has what two and a half hours or how long is the is the Flash like two and a half or three hours I don't even know uh, like yeah I think it's like two hours and 45 it, mm-hmm. it, it yeah it's not enough time to establish a bond between parents and how that messes you up and why you would want to go back in time to do it. So yeah, that's, that's like a lot to, um, to do and also give a backstory of a character and, and then also have a, um, a classic movie character in there who you're, you're also trying to serve justice to. It doesn't seem like enough time. Two hours and 24 minutes. I stand corrected. So yeah. Seems too short for everything they were trying to pull off. Well, Um, and, and and that's the thing is you, and, and so this is so just touching it back to E.T., one of the interesting things. And so um, after we had seen it the next day, Grayson asks me, did they ever make a sequel? And so mm-hmm. there's, there's two things that are, I think, the subtext in that question. A, first and foremost, he is of a generation where the expectation is that everything gets a sequel, especially mm-hmm. if it was good the first time. Uh, and the second thing, uh, you know, that is kind of underlying that question is um, what happened to the characters? Um, and, you know, we come from a time where uh, this is where we ended and that's what happened to the characters. That's our closure. Um, and, and so uh, I said, no, I think there were a few kind of scripts that were kind of written, but nothing ever panned out. And so this is the only version of the movie that we have. This is all you can judge, uh, you know, the actual relationship between Elliot and E.T. Uh, to kind of, uh, you know, foster your imagination. Uh, but there's something very magical about that, the, 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 finity, the, you know, the finity of it all, and, and that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and the end is absolute. Even mm. though he says, I'll be right back, you know, and, you know, we wonder whether he ever came back or not. But then that's where our headcanon comes in. We don't need yeah. to have uh, some over-budget, nostalgia-laden, not very well-thought-out piece of nonsense come in to make us go, oh, wow. I thought that's what I wanted, but you know what? I guess I really didn't. That's <laughs> very good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a, I don't. We, we didn't have that term headcanon back then, did we, Jack? No. No, no. no but, but I mean, yeah, but that's so true. It's like, yeah, it, like you said, the movie had a beginning, a middle, and an end. But yeah, we we all thought after we'd seen the film multiple times, because I know I did, <laughs> that uh, I wonder what happened. But I, I but never. Did I, I didn't want to see a sequel. And I mean, Spielberg made it very plain in those days, I think, that he was not going to do a sequel. This is it. This is the story. Yeah. No, and I agree. And, and I also, too, I think uh, for, and I think this is apropos for the podcast and, and also my condition, I think those of us who, until you really started to get into the late 80s and the 90s where comic books became a business, and this is what happens, is the monetization of entertainment uh, to the mm. point where uh, the actual things, it, things became, uh, we transitioned from stories and, 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 and ideas to content. Uh, it really just became, we just need to flood the zone. Um, and, and just kind of bringing it back to, to what you were saying, too, with respect to the sports analogy as well, and I think this also makes perfect sense, is... Um, 
you know, and this is the reason why I love the movie Moneyball. But not only that, I, I love what the Oakland A's were trying to do is there has to be another way to play this game that doesn't focus so much on just money. We, we should be able to put out a good product uh, that allows us to think about what we want to do as opposed to just thinking just more money will actually solve the problem. That's Tampa why Bay I think that, Exactly. But I mean, this mm-hmm. is, it used to, used to be the Montreal Expos. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we have in, 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 you know, our collective memory, uh, a time where you know, the biggest and the most well-funded didn't always mean that you were going to be the winner. Uh, right. That's not always the way the story went. And, and, and in many ways, I think so much of that has been lost. Uh, m- much of it, I think, you know, obviously late stage capitalism and, you know, Silicon Valley and this whole notion that there's nothing you can't solve without enough money thrown at the problem. Um, but essentially what you do is you just kind of homogenize and just water everything down to the point where it's just kind of like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> and throwing money at a problem, you know, it's a, and defeating that, that, uh, that system, that's very American. I mean, it goes back to the, to the, to the West. I mean, uh, constantly these towns are always being tried, you know, the, the, the railroad barons or the, 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 uh, the oil men or the cattle men were trying to, you know, uh, destroy the town for what, for, for, for monetary gain. And the people would, you know, the drifter would come in and he'd rally the people and they'd, you know, and whether it be uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart or uh, Gary Cooper, they'd fight back and they'd win. The, the little guys would win. They'd beat, they'd beat the Giants. You know, not, not the New York Giants, but <laughs> those, those <laughs> Those giants, and so yeah, it's it's very American you know, that the underdog is is the winner. Now it doesn't seem to be. I don't know. I don't. I don't get that feeling anymore from American cinema. Yeah, Jack. Just to go to your point that I was thinking before, when you were like saying that the uh, Dial Destiny just had to be better than the Crystal Skull, or or had to be like an apology. I was like, you can't buy an apology. So no, all the money, uh, very good, James. <laughs> yeah. like all, all the money you spend on that, you cannot buy an apology. You can buy an apology by just making a good movie. But they, I guess, you know, to, to all of our points at this point is like they think money equates a good movie instead of the substance of the movie being the good movie. And, and I think it's a real shame, because, uh, particularly considering, you know, um, we are recognizing that uh, moviegoers are not returning to the cinema uh, in, in, in the same numbers as they had before the pandemic. Um, and many people are now starting to uh, prefer streaming. And, and, and so I, I'm very worried, particularly now with the writer's strike. So that means more bad product um, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, producers and, and studios are going to take the scripts that they have and, and just kind of push them forward because they can't make any edits. They can't do anything, but they've already started filming. And so they already have these sunken costs. And so we're going to get more bad products. I also feel uh, the fear of, uh, you know, uh, Generative AI also means that um, everything is just going to kind of revert to the mean, where there are will be fewer great uh, ideas that are generated because uh, essentially people will always try to find faster, cheaper ways of, mm-hmm. of producing something for a fast buck uh, without any care or concern for uh, the actual experience of the audience. It's it's we have now uh, we've become just you know the the how is it Noam Chomsky if if the, you know, if what you're getting is free, then you are the product. And, and that's that's kind of where we are. I mean, but eventually, I mean, I guess the side effect on that would be things just imploding on themselves for a period of time. I mean, we've already kind of seen that with, uh, well, obviously the DCEU. I wish James Gunn the best because he's got some good ideas. But we also saw it with the, the CW-verse. It imploded upon itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
And hopefully, I, I mean, I heard Disney is pulling back on how many Marvel and uh, Star Wars projects they're releasing per year. So hopefully that'll give them an opera. Hopefully they take that time to like um, reorganize and rewrite the products and make sure before they, they start filming them that they are, you know, worthy additions into the MCU canon. Exactly. No, I mean, I agree. I remember um, we had uh, the, the podcast, What is Star Wars? And, and so uh, you, Josh, and I, John, we all basically kind of talked about what we would like. And in many ways, I think Andor kind of gets us back into that direction where we can actually say, okay, well, this is possible. You can actually uh, situate a story in this universe without the same tired tropes that you've kind of uh, brought out and well-trodden. I mean, there there are more stories to be told if you have a story. Um, mm. And it is my hope that that's where we go. Well, not to open another can of worms, especially more towards oh, the end of our episode open, here. Open. But, but <laughs> I don't think Paramount Plus learned, learned that lesson after Picard Season 3, like gave them... Picard Season 3 opened a door that they have not done anything with. <laughs> like Very in true, fact yes. in fact they they took away prodigy which i thought personally they was a door opening to another venue of storytelling they they made that disappear and uh i don't i don't know if they're um i don't know if, if this like the star trek has the had had it in their hands and i don't know if they're doing anything with it it was sadly it seems like i don't know if you've heard differently jack or joe is there any new trek uh, on the horizon beside uh, strange new worlds it's it's got going now season two they they are going to do a Starfleet Academy in the Discovery um, timeline, like the yeah, future. Exactly. Okay. And I think that's it, Jack. Am I, am I wrong? Aside no. from like, aside, aside from maybe, I'm sure Strange New Worlds will get a season three. I'm, I mean, I can't guarantee that because I, I have no idea. Because I because Prodigy had a season two, and then they did a Batgirl with Prodigy season two. Exactly. We'll take we'll take the tax right off. Um, <laughs> No, I, I agree. No, from from what I've heard, uh, everyone talks as if Star Trek Legacy is is a, a done deal, but no confirmation has come from the studios. Um, I, I think there's just a, a lot of fanboy speculation on that. Um, I do agree that uh, a Strange New World season three is you know highly likely, um, and the problem is also. Um, uh, there is still talk of this um, Kelvin versus Star Trek Four. I think they're actually started with that, um, but I don't exactly know where it is in production. Um, and so th- what typically happens is uh, the powers that be, I think, are, are, are kind of looking. There's a renewed interest in the property, and, and you know their, their reach tends to exceed their grasp, and, and they, mm-hmm. they look for something greater and grander to, to, um, to accumulate. And so I, I think probably what they want to do is try to monetize all of this uh, renewed fervor for Star Trek and then try to now create a new film franchise, if possible. Um, but uh, I think they want to use the Kelvinverse uh, as, as an idea of where they can go with that. But on many ways, and I think you're right, James, with respect to 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 Prodigy, is as are not necessarily seeing the overt benefit of doing it uh, on the small screen uh, because maybe the the bang just isn't as big as as they can get somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I don't like like well, I guess my I guess my whole thought is like the people who enjoyed Picard season three and the people who enjoy Strange New Worlds, do we care about the Kelvin verse? 
Not so no, and 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 and, and <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, with the notable exception that the Kelvinverse made a lot of money. I mean, and that's always the problem is is it made a lot of money, and you have a whole generation uh, where those are the identification of the characters that they know. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I should say like the the renewed interest in Star Trek for the two shows, Picard and Strange New Worlds. That's the audience that wants more Star Trek versus I think the Kelvinverse is just the mass audience who may or may not go for another Kelvinverse movie. I think another Kelvinverse movie, at least in my opinion, would could do just as well as may or may not do just as well as Indiana Jones or The Flash with the mass audience. Well, this is just as we said before, know your audience. I mean, these studios, these major studios need to know who their audience is, especially when they have these these franchises that have these uh multiple iterations of the same thing going on, you know, concurrently. Kelvin Universe versus, you know, OG Universe. Obviously, uh, Marvel is steeped now in the multiverse, and, uh, you know, whether whether Gunn would admit it or not, that's what's happening in D.C. right now with the D.C.U. winding down the, and the D.C.U. and, the, and also the, the winding down of the Arrowverse. You know, you've got, you're all over the place. And I think at some point, and I'm, I, I think I'm one of these people, you just throw up your hands in disgust and say, that's it, I'm done. I'll just go back and read the original source material, which was the comic books. Yeah, I'll go back and watch the adventures of Superman and uh, with, uh, with George Reeves and Batman 66 with Adam West. And uh, that's enough for me. Yeah, I agree with you kind of, Joe. Because like, to me, like a, a Kelvin Universe movie t- it doesn't count because you've, They've taken the time to the shows that I'm invested in because yes. you know Picard, Picard got me back into Star Trek as 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 we've had many conversations about the inconsistency of Picard season one and two. I don't yes. want to open up that box on this. No. On this. <laughs> leave it close. Okay. Leave it close. Boxing episode is enough. <laughs> yeah, but, like it's like the movie Seven. What's in the box? <laughs> yeah, but I I subscribed to then CBS Plus and then eventually Paramount Plus to watch Picard season three, and that got me into Discovery, and Discovery got me excited for Strange New Worlds, but. I'm not going. I mean, I mean, I would see a Kelvin verse movie, but I'm not excited for it because it's not in the continuity that you've already had me invest in. Like yeah. the strange, strange new worlds and Picard are in the same continuity. I mean, just to go back to Jeremy Adams, I, I personally think continuity matters. Yes. Um, you know, Kelvin universe is a what el- what you know an Elseworlds story Elseworld, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'll see it eventually, but it, it doesn't doesn't move the needle in the thing that you actually got me invested in. And right. and and the and the the carrot you put out there that got me reinvested in it. Why you put the Picard carrot out there? It got me reinvested, and then you want me to go back to an Elseworlds story after yeah. all that. So um, that's kind of how I feel with with some of the stuff. And yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe. I mean, a lot of the stuff is all over the place, and you know, I still Shazam: Fury of the Gods has been on HBO Max for a month, and I don't know when I'll see it. You know, Neither, yeah, no, uh, no, I'd rather watch an episode of The Virginian. You know, or or because uh, to plug a future episode, uh, we have an episode coming up with friend of the show, Arco Esposito, on The Dark Phoenix. Oh, Uh, yeah. I went on Disney Plus after that, and I was like, okay, I'm finally going to watch X-Men Dark Phoenix. (laughs) And uh, um, I have thoughts about it, but but how long has that movie been out that it finally took me that long to watch it? So I kind of feel that way about some of these movies coming out. Like, I'll get to it when I get to it, or I'm motivated to see it, um, unless, unless it's really filling... Um, something that I'm currently invested in. Well, I mean, so, I mean, to your point, and, and you know, as you were saying, uh, with respect to the, the Kelvin universe, uh, and I wanted to check this uh, just to confirm, Box Office Mojo uh, actually says, so Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams movie, um, lifetime gross of $257 million. 
Um, and the next highest is Star Trek Into Darkness. Again, same Kelvin, 228. Uh, and Star Trek Beyond, 158, almost $159 million. The fourth is finally when you get to, uh, again, the characters or the continuity that we are most familiar with. Star Trek for The Voyage Home. Joe, I know you love that one. Um, mm-hmm. And so if we wonder why they actually crank out this I'm not going to say it's garbage. It's whatever it is, <laughs> but it's because it makes money. Money. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I'm, I don't, I think the stories in those movies could be stronger. I will say that Chris Pine does an amazing job as Captain Kirk. I think, yes. I think, I, I think all of them actually do an amazing yeah, job. Yeah, I like Zachary Quinto as Spock also. Yeah. And yeah. what's his name as DeForest? As, I mean, not DeForest, as, a, as Carl McCoy. He, he's, Great. Oh, I, thought yes. he, I thought he did the best channeling of all of them, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, as, yeah, as you could that. close your eyes and you could hear DeForest Kelly speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, again, not to... Not, Joe, in a few weeks, we're going to do our Strange New Worlds mid-season wrap-up, but mm-hmm. not, not to put shade on, on Paul Wesley, but like he, he still doesn't have what Chris Pine managed to capture, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, no, he, as good a job as I think, I think he's doing, but Chris Pine, he's not doing Shatner, but Chris Pine has the charisma of Shatner. Like... You yeah. know, Shatner's not the best actor, but you will watch him. You'll yeah. watch him do it. You'll watch him do anything. Oh, I William, mean, William Shatner was was always a screen presence. Kind, kind of like his his one for you folks. Elvis Presley was not a great actor, but Elvis Presley had, had a ton of movies in the '50s, '60s, and early, into the early '70s. And Elvis Presley was a great performer, and he was a screen presence. You know, and 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 you know, so they're they're. There's a hot take for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your your mileage on Shatner and whether whatever you feel about him, the man has had what a sixty plus yes. steady career of always being yeah. in television or movies. So yeah. that says something. That does. Yeah, people every want, decade, want, every, they, yeah, the demand. Yeah. yeah, every decade he's been he's been there. Like just, like every he's, generation of people have know who William Shatner is. <laughs> he's really been in space too. <laughs> he's actually been in space, but. <laughs> Yeah. No, so again, not, not to take a take a shot at Paul Wesley. I hope Paul Wesley's not listening to this. Um, it's I, I think he still has room to grow in the role. But um, just oh, to kind and, of and tie if you it... are, we would love to have you on. By the way, yes, please, Paul Wesley. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tell us <laughs> somebody... why the next Captain Kirk, James. Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he still has room to grow. Um, I like what he's doing. He just he's not there with the screen presence of Shatner or Chris Pine, and, and that's all goes saying like yeah, the Kelvin universe. I would watch another movie of it just because those those actors themselves are what's bringing to me, but it's not a Star Trek story that's going to bring me to that movie. Right. It's because I like to see those actors playing those roles because, you know, it's the closest thing we're going to get to the original series crew being together again. Uh, hey, The Rock is a screen presence. People go to, he puts fannies in the seats, but you know, his latest, uh, his last film wasn't that good. I don't, I don't know if I'm sure if I'm blaming him. I don't know if he had anything to do with the script or, or what, but uh, I thought Black Adam fizzled out. He, I think he overreached in that a little bit, from my understanding, right, Jack? Like he he invested himself more in some decisions that could have made the DCU a little bit better instead of, yeah, putting the rock more up instead of the DCU more up. uh, Yeah, I mean, I I I think it was a situation where um, contractually there are certain things that he insists on if he's the the lead, Ah. Um, and and so on on one level. Uh, that makes it very difficult. So you essentially have to film the movie around his uh, mm. contractual uh, demands. Uh, and so that's part of it. And then also he 
had in his mind that uh, behind the scenes, he and apparently a friend, uh, his uh, former brother-in-law, um, were going to essentially, the movie was going to be such a, a phenomenal hit uh, that they would be the ones who would become the heirs to the uh, DC film universe. Uh, oh. And this was just going to be the, the first opening salvo to demonstrate, listen, uh, and if you want to do this right, um, you need the right people behind uh, this, this, the screen. Um, and that just kind of fell totally flat. Um, and it, it just really... I think uh, tarnished his star in many ways because uh, I think one of the best lines and and I indicated earlier Christopher Nolan but you know uh, either you die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain uh, mm-hmm. and in this particular instance um, he became the villain of his own success. Well, as we wrap up this back of the store episode, let's go to some highlights and recommend some stuff. Yeah, that let's we enjoy. Not and enjoy. So, so Jack, do you have some some good stuff? That's stuff that you liked and you would recommend to our audience to check out. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, definitely, uh, the key thing that I would recommend is uh, Silo uh, on Apple TV Plus. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's um, based on the Silo series. The first book of which is called Wool by Hugh Howey. Um, it was uh, very, very. It's kind of a dystopian sci-fi. Uh, genre, um, but it's very well filmed. It has uh, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, who's well known for the uh, Mission Impossible, most recent Mi- Mission Impossible movies, uh, and also in the Dune series. Uh, and so uh, that's where you may know her from. So uh, catch that. And another thing, shout out hasn't come out yet, um, but the uh, next season of The Dragon Prince, it will be dropping on Netflix, I believe, July 24th. There's about, uh, and so um, in many ways, the Dragon Prince is the heir apparent to uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, a lot of the same creators, a lot of the, the very similar kind of uh, characterizations. Just fun. And one of the things I think we have discussed in this uh, over the course of this episode is uh, animated movies just seem to uh, do better uh, in many ways than much of the uh, live action schlock that we're getting. Uh, and so <laughs> that's a, a pretty good series for, for people who uh, are fans of Avatar The Last Airbender or who have seen the previous seasons of uh, The Dragon Prince. So those are my two recommendations. Very good. Those are, those are great. Um, Joe, what do, you, what do you got to, uh, to excite our audience this week? Well, I got in the mail yesterday my hardcover copy of The Flash, The Death of Iris West by Carrie Bates. And Alex Saviak. Oh, wow. And uh, it's uh, 15 issues of that story, starting in issue 270, going to 284. Let's see, that was back in the early 80s, I believe. Uh, 1979, yes. And this is, this is you know, this is a story that, that does change everything for Barry Allen. Of course, this story leads into the trial of Barry Allen, the trial of the Flash. These are great comic books. I highly recommend them. I hope this is on our non-sponsor sponsor, James. It's called The Flash, The Death of Irish West. And it's... Um, Keith and I have been talking about this for a long time. <laughs> so um, I, I had to pull the trigger and get this book. I have the originals, but I like reading them, you know, in, in this form. So I would highly recommend that. I know I've recommended this before, but in keeping what we've been talking about, which is, you know, um, live action superheroes. Um, folks, if you haven't uh, tuned into Superman and Lois season three, uh, please do. And you don't even need to watch season one and two if you don't want to. They're good. But season three is one of the best live action seasons of not just superhero television, 
but just plain television that I've seen. I said this before, and I'll say it again. It's on par with any season of um, Friday Night Lights, and that's a great show. So I would, I would highly recommend season three of Superman and Lois. So those are my recommendations. Fantastic. Yeah, and it just, I just looked it up. The Death of Iris West, it's, in my, it's actually in my favorites, but it is on Hoopla. Oh, good. Great. That's yeah. Good. Jack, you kind of just spurred me on with the Dragon Prince. Uh, I meant to like mention this on a few a few episodes ago on our um, recommendations. I I watched um, Bo- American Born Chinese on oh, Disney wow. Plus. Uh, I thought it was good. I never read the trade paperback or the graphic novel series that's based upon, but um, I liked it. Some of I you know it's hard to like judge something that's based on a previous property without reading it to know if some of the the quirkiness or some of the disjointedness in the story is 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 intentional or it was a translate, you know, like um, a, a page to screen type of transition that didn't quite make it. Um, some of the storytelling I think could have been a little bit better, but I enjoyed the series overall. And um, obviously it's got the Academy Award winner Michelle Yao and um, oh, Key, what's, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jack, I forget from, um, he just won the Academy Award. Um, oh, uh, uh, Hugh Key. Kwan. Yeah. Yes. He's in it too. And it's, it's a good story. Um, so mm-hmm. It really gives a lot of, you know, it blends Chinese folklore with like previous thoughts about um, how China, Chinese people are depicted in cinema mixed with modern interpretations of, of the Asian American experience. So I think it's, it's worth a watch. It's like six episodes. Um, it's very well acted. Very great pedigree. Michelle Yao is always great. Um, that's a Star Trek project I'm, I'm looking forward to. Like we didn't talk about was, um, was it Section, yes, section 31? Yeah. I mean, I watch it for her. so um so that's something i would recommend what else do i have to recommend this week i gotta like look oh i'm gonna still recommend recommend the last time but it's an ongoing series i'm I'm still reading is um the idw ninja turtle series continues to be fantastic so uh you know if you love ninja turtles idw is doing a great job of it so you can pick that up and i think to follow up our last back of the store chat i finished Batman Beyond the White Knight by Sean Murphy, art and story by Sean Murphy. I love, I love this, you know, Sean Murphy alternate Batman history. I think um, Beyond the White Knight is, is another great installment of it. I love the how he depicts Bruce Wayne, Harley Quinn, the Joker, um, the whole Bat family in it. So um, I recommend picking that up and I'm still making my way through it, but it's still great. So I'll be talking about it probably by the next back of the store chat, the volume uh, flash volume 18 uh, the Search for Barry Allen by Jeremy Adams. I'm mm. halfway through this. I just uh, got through the wrestling issue, which was fantastic. Laugh a minute. It was fantastic. So um, if you, I, I'm enjoying it, so I'm, I'm going to say recommend it, and I'll probably be talking about it the next time we get together and do this. So those are those are my recommendations for the week. But um, this has been great. Jack, thank you so much for uh, coming in the back door this week and joining hey, us. My pleasure, my pleasure, <laughs> and and giving us the the enlighten the movie enlightenment. I'm, I I wasn't sure where we we're gonna go this week, and it went it went it went perfectly. It went perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for your kindness. And uh, Joe, of course, I could not do this show without you. So thank you so much for uh, for being in the back of the store with me also this week. Oh, you're welcome, James and, and Jack. Thanks again for being here with us. This is always a treat. No, oh, thank you, guys. And uh, listening audience, if you have any thoughts about the things we've spoken about in this episode, maybe you've gone and seen the movies that we've talked about and you have a different opinion or uh, same opinion, we'd like to hear from you in the comments section. So please leave that there. 
Um, otherwise, you can also follow us on Instagram, The Secret Origins of Mint Condition MC. And um, if you ever want to email us, you can email us at secretoriginsmc at gmail.com. We thank you for listening, and we will talk to you on the next episode.